Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just put your hands together and proclaim your love for the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. We do love you. We do praise you. We do worship you today. You are awesome, mighty God. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fathers, we come together today. We're thankful that you're here already. God, you met us and and thank you for a sweet presence here this morning. I just pray, God, you'll have your will and way that you'll anoint the ministry of the word as it's brought forth. And we love you and give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to someone, tell them to keep dry, and then you may be seated. Oh, great to have you guys here this morning. God bless you. I, uh, you're the brave ones, and I'm proud of you for making it in. And uh, some we know many cannot get in today, just absolutely could not make it. They're flooded where they're at. My house, I talked to my wife. She had to stay with my mom today, so she was unable to make it in. Uh, someone had to stay with, just kind of a little worried about her and the water rising and coming into her, her apartment down below. And so uh, she called me up a few minutes and said, there's a kayak floating back in my backyard and I say, it said it looks like it washed up out of the marsh there and I said baby go out and grab that I could use another kayak and she said I'm not going out there with all those snakes and so, so I don't know who's got that kayak floating around but anyway uh, it's somewhere uh, if listen we're glad you're here today I'm so happy you made it I just looking forward to this Sunday morning and having church and meeting with God and one another and just joining with the family let me just say, let me just say many are going to be streaming this morning because they couldn't get in today. So if you're watching us by live stream, we stream our services every Sunday morning, both services. And so if you're watching by stream, live stream today on the internet, we welcome you as well. We welcome all those who will be watching by television uh, later in the week. And so it's good to have you here today. I, uh, I, I remember uh, you know, I, we get, the phone was ringing like crazy this morning. Are we having church? Are we having church? We're going to make it in. And uh, apparently they don't know me real well. But uh, uh, after uh, one, of the, one of the sweetest services we had was the Sunday after Hurricane Hugo. I think it blew in on a Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was a Thursday and trees were down everywhere and uh, people couldn't get around on the roads. And it was just, and our power was out. Power was out for about uh, a week in some cases, a lot of cases too weeks and up. And uh, we were over in the other building over there and we had service by candlelight. We opened up all the doors and there was, uh, not everybody could make it in obviously, but we had a, just a sweet, sweet time in the Lord. And so I remember that service very vividly. Uh, this uh, 100 year flood we're getting today will hopefully be another one of those kind of services we'll look back on and say, wasn't God good and kept his hand on us and brought us through. Take your Bibles out, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, if you, there, there's a lot of announcements in your bulletin. You can look at those later, and you can turn them over, and you can follow along on your outlines today. Uh, Matthew 22. We're in a series 
We're actually in the last week in our series entitled Closer Than You Know. And, and we've been, you know, you, you got this, this God who is all-powerful, almighty, great, incredible God that we serve, all-knowing, uh, 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 omnipresent, uh, always will be, eternal God. And yet there's a God who, who wants to have a relationship with us. As great and mighty as he is, the creator of all, he wants to get close to you. He wants to have a relationship with you, and that's what the love of God is all about today. And the first week, we looked at that God of compassion, and we saw that a lady who had been caught in the very act of adultery, and they drug her to Jesus Christ, and he makes this incredible statement, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Aren't you thankful that in the Lord Jesus Christ there is therefore now no condemnation? And then he gives her that challenge, go and sin no more. And we looked at how close God was to forgive and how close he is to cleanse. And the, next week we looked at the God of redemption. And we saw a short little man who was up in a tree and God wanted to get close to him. And no one else really liked him very much because he's a tax collector. But God says, you know, Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. I want to spend some time with you. And he totally turned Zacchaeus' life completely around. And what a great, great story. And then last week, we saw that God is our Father, and we looked at that model prayer. And because he's our Father, we start out every prayer with our Father who art in heaven. He's my dad. He's my Abba Father, my Daddy God, and I can get close to him, and he loves me. And and because he's my Father, he will forgive my sins. And because he's my Father, he will provide every need I have and give me my daily bread. And I can trust God to get close and take care of me. And so we looked at him this week. I want to talk a little bit about how do we relate to this close God? How do we interact with him? How do we uh, serve him? And how do we live out of this God who is so very close to us? And so let's uh, read together Matthew 22. And let's just stand for a moment for the reading of God's word today, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them... An expert in the law tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of God's word. God bless you, and you may be seated. Next year, uh, I, 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 every fourth year, you know, we, we, your mind may be on elections, and, and, and we're already hearing all about that stuff and, and who to vote for and all that. We know that election year is coming up, but also we know that next year, every four years, they have the Olympics. And I believe they're going to be in Brazil next year. And so uh, nations from all over the world will gather for those Olympics. And and I understand Michael Phelps will be swimming laps and we'll be cheering our American swimmers on. And Usain Bolt will be running fast out of the gate. And he's still running and doing that. So he will probably be back on the track scene again. And our Olympic men's basketball team will be rolling over everybody else in the world. And so all that will be happening next summer in Brazil. 
And, and they, they always give those medal rounds, and it seems like, you know, you, they break in, and, oh, we have another medal ceremony right now. Of course, you yawn. That's your time to go get your snacks and your chips and your, your whatever. And so, uh, but they line up the medals, and they have the gold, silver, and bronze. Now, I want to tell you, nobody likes the bronze medal. It's, it's, the, it's, your, it's your least important medal of the group. It's the one that no one really cares about. It's the guy that nobody remembers. You may remember the silver medalist. He got really close to winning the gold. And you might remember number one. Everybody remembers the gold medal winners. A few people remember the silver medal winners, but nobody remembers the bronze medal. I mean, it's just like you might as well. But, you know, when you think about it, that bronze medalist was probably better than 7 billion other people around the world. Have you ever thought about that? Probably better than 7 billion people around the world if he's the bronze medalist at the Olympics. And yet, we don't remember who came in third. Third place, no one likes to be third place. And there's something within us that we want the gold. We want to go for the gold. We want to be number one. We want to be noticed. We want to be loved. We want to be the first. We want to be the best. And that pride kind of rises up inside of us. And we want to go for the gold. But what happens is, as a child of God, if that pride rises up, it blocks what God wants to do in our life. It messes us up because we get, we get ego-centered, uh, we get prideful, we start looking deep within ourselves, we think we are all that, we are very special, and, and so that pride wells up. What I want to share with you this morning is I believe everybody in the kingdom of God are bronze medal winners. Third. Third. And I'm going to give you the order right out of the gate. It's not complicated. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. God is number one in our lives. Above ourselves. Above everything else. And then number two is love your neighbor. You love others. You prefer others better than yourself. And then every other child of God is a bronze medalist. We are third in in God's economy. And we're going to look at what it means to be third today. And so you have this story in the word of God. Let me give you the background very quickly. A Pharisee comes up to Jesus Christ and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, you've got to ask yourself, first of all, why is this Pharisee even asking this question? It's almost like he might be trying to rationalize. And you know what he might be thinking in his mind? Well, I commit a little adultery on the side, but at least I don't worship other idols. And so maybe I'm okay. I I keep the idol one. I'm not so good on the adultery one. Or or, or he, he may have been thinking, you know, I'm not real good with the Sabbath day. I've got a busy schedule, a busy agenda, and I don't really do good with keeping the Sabbath day. My stuff is all crowds in on that, but I really honor my parents. And so, Lord, which is the ones that are really important for us to keep? Give me the big commandment. And so this Pharisee might have been involved in a little bit of rationalization, and we all tend to do it. We do things we know we shouldn't be, and right away our brain's working about why it's okay and why we're justified in what I just did. Possibly the demands of now 613 commandments. By the time this Pharisee goes to Christ with the question, there are not 10 commandments. Uh, there are not 200 and something commandments as you follow throughout the rest of the world. There are now 613 commandments that the Pharisees and Sadducees have come up with. That's a lot, a lot of commandments. And it can be very complicated. 
And so Jesus gives them a very concise, simple answer, and I believe it's good for every one of us, and this should be the rule for our entire life. Uh, and so he, he doesn't reduce 613 to 10. He goes from 613 in commandments to two. Let's just sum it all up. Everything contained in these two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Two commandments cover it all. You see, when you boil it all down, if you really love God, then you're going to, you won't have any other gods before him. If you really love God, you'll remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You'll honor God. If you really love God, you won't take his name in vain. If you really love your neighbor like you ought to, then you won't kill him. In fact, if you really love him, you will not hate him in your heart, right? If you really love your neighbor, you won't steal from him. You won't take his wife for yourself. You won't gossip about him, or you won't covet or envy. And so really, in those two commandments, the big ten are covered, and really all the other commandments in the word of God can be covered by those simple two commandments, love God and love people. You get that straight in your life, you've got it all all straight. It's all boiled down. You do those two things. He says, all of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love people. Now, then that presents some challenges to us. And I want to give you three this morning. And, and the first challenge is simply this. It's the challenge of the choice we've got to make. And that's found in verse 37. And let me read it for you again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now, the greatest command of loving God involves a choice. He doesn't make anybody love him. He won't force you to love him. You're not a robot. You've got to choose to love God and not just love him, but love him supremely with all that is within you, your heart, mind, soul, and strength, I love God, and I choose to love God, and it involves my total commitment of my life. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was asked the secret of his success. And he made this statement, and it's a great quotation. From the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision for what Jesus Christ would do for them, I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth there was. And if anything has been achieved, it is because God has had all of the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. When I saw what God could do, when I realized who Jesus Christ was and how much he loved everybody, I could not help but give my all back to God. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now what does it mean to love God with all of your heart? soul, mind, and strength. Well, first of all, when he's talking about the heart, there is there has got to be this internal motivation that says, I love God and honor him above everything else. And so I am driven by that passion of love for God. The heart's really important. Your heart's got to be in tune. It's, it's got to have a passion and desire for God. It speaks to that inmost, innermost, most intense desire of our life. Now, Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, we get passionate about a lot of things, don't we? We we got our interests, we got our hobbies, we get passionate about all 
kinds of things. Many of those things take up our time. They take up our energy. We put our resources into those things. Uh, and, 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 they, they, and, and, and not bad things in and of themselves. But what we love is what we give ourselves to. It's what I give my money away for. It's what I, what I spend my time doing. But if we love him, uh, then he becomes first in our life, in my finances, in my time, in my energy. God is number one. Uh, otherwise, these other things can begin to come in, and if we are not careful, they will crowd God out. And we'll be like the Ephesian church that says, you know what happened? I don't know what happened to you guys, but somewhere along the line, you've lost your first love. And if we are not careful, the cares of this world will spring up and they will choke up the seed of the word of God and we can lose that very first heart love for God. Or another problem is we allow sin to come in and it clogs up the arteries of our heart. You know, if you got clogged arteries, if you got blocked arteries, uh, it, it's a mess. You're due for a heart attack. It's coming. It's coming down the pike. Get ready for it. And what happens is your passion for God grows cold because you've allowed sin to remain in your life. Now, now here's the problem that we have when we talk about love. Our view of love is messed up. American love is all about feelings. It's all about feeling love or not feeling love or all those kind of things. But biblical agape love, I believe, is a decision and a choice. When you enter marriage, you need to understand it's a decision and a choice. It's, it's not something that I do if I feel like it. Because when that woman wakes up in bed next to you with bad breath and messy hair, you don't feel like loving her. And when she's snapping at you, you certainly don't feel love. You're looking for a rooftop somewhere. But when love is a choice, when love is a decision of my will, then I will love no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way. And so it is with God. I choose to love you with everything that is within me. I give you my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. And you know what happens when you love God in that way? He takes care of all the other needs in your life. It's really cool. Put God first. I choose to put you first. I choose to love you number one above everything else. And when you make that choice, Everything else he takes care of. And it all works out. It's a matter of priority. C.S. Lewis made this statement. When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. And did you get that? When I love God, when I choose to love him first, even better than my wife and my children and everything else, when I love God first, because of that relationship with God, I'll be a better husband and I'll be a better father and I'll love my dearest around me better than I ever would have had I not loved God first. Love, the love of God, it's a, it's a challenge. Loving God with everything produces passion in our heart, in our life, and it's, it's that that gives us our purpose. It's that love that gives us our meaning in life. It will begin to change the way you think and operate every day, and what happens is you become God-centered and not me-centered. Your life revolves around him, loving God first. He's the gold medalist and no one else. The second challenge is, is loving ourselves. 
And I want you to look at verse 39 again. I want you to notice something. It says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say that together. As yourself. You see, there, there's, a, there's, a core, there's a corollary in, in, in life, and it goes like this. You can't properly love anybody else until you have a healthy self-love. Until you realize who you are in Christ Jesus and what God has done for you and, and, and what he means to you. And, and when you have this healthy sense of self-love, the God kind of love, and we are, see ourselves as God loves us, then I am free then to love others properly. If you don't love and accept yourself as someone who has been fearfully and wonderfully made by God, then there's little hope you'll love anybody else or you'll even be able to properly, properly trust your creator because you don't think you're all that good. You think God made a mistake when he designed you. That God, you blow it when you gave me this face. You blew it when you gave me this body. You blew it, God, when you made me. And if you don't begin to understand and see yourself as fearfully and wonderfully made by God, you will never properly trust God rightly. And so there's got to be what I would call a healthy self-love. Let alone if you don't have a healthy self-love, you won't be able to love anyone else. Those who don't love themselves, those who have a very poor self-image are most likely to hurt others and despise God. Let me read that again. Those who don't love themselves with a healthy love have a very poor self-image are most likely to hurt others and despise God. You know, this generation, we live in a generation of inferiority and self-loathing. There are so many young people, so many young adults who have no healthy self-esteem and they hate themselves and they despise themselves and they pierce their body all over and they, 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 they just don't like themselves and as a result, they have no respect for other human life. 26-year-old Chris Harper and Mercer just committed a mass shooting at um, um, Umpqua Community College in Roseburg, Oregon. He killed six people and wounded, excuse me, killed 10 and he wounded six. Here's some descriptions of this Chris Mercer. He was quiet, withdrawn young man who struggled to connect with other people, instead seeking attention online or ultimately through violence. Here's what he wrote in his own blog when he was describing another mass murder. It seems the more people you kill, the more you're in the limelight. Now, the, the, I'm talking about a man who hated himself. Mercer asked the hostages if they were Christians. He lined them up. If they said yes, he shot them in the head. If they said no, he shot them in the leg. The law enforcement agencies, when talking about this case, said he appears to be an angry man who was very filled with hate. You, you see, those, those people 
who live their life with a mean, hostile spirit towards others are usually people who have a very, very low self-esteem. And so they've been hurt, they've been wounded, and so now I hurt others. And they hurt on the inside, and so they hurt everybody else around them. And they become very, very dysfunctional in society. And they fail to connect with people because they don't love themselves properly or don't see themselves as God sees them. God made them a beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made. Every single one of us have been made and created by God. God cares about us. God loves you so much. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. If you were not important, if you were not significant, Christ would not have died for you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, 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 and there's, a, there's a recognition that we can't love anybody if, if I don't Love myself as Christ loves me. We have a poor self-image and little love for others. Now, I want to tell you, this creates a tension in believers. And some of you now are getting a little bit tense. And you're nervous. Because we've been taught about the evils of selfishness and pride. And rightly so. The Bible talks about selfishness. The Bible talks about pride is, is that root of uh, uh, that, that sin, one of the seven deadly sins. It's that sin that, that, that will destroy us, that, that, that wrongful, puffed up, haughty pride. And we live in an age where people are looking out for number one and they're filled with greed and that's kind of become the norm of life. But there is a difference between selfishness and healthy self-love. Okay? Now follow me here. In fact, it's when we don't value ourselves, it's when we doubt ourselves, uh, I feel the need to prove my self-worth by accumulating stuff. So I measure my self-worth by the kind of car I drive, the size of the house I live in, or the number of rings I have on my fingers, or the number of shoes I have in my closet. Ooh, I, you, ladies, I know you're mad at me, I had to throw that one in. When we cannot appreciate our own self-worth before God, we find our worth in stuff and in things. And it leads to greed. It leads to selfishness. It, it, it leads to that need to boast. Look at me. Watch me. I'm special. I'm important. I'm great because I'm afraid in the natural I'm not worth much. And so I have to continually build myself up through my bragging and boasting. And that is evil. Where's, where's the balance here? How do we balance these two things out, selfishness, self-love, where's the balance? Well, well Genesis 1.27 says we are created in the image of God. And yet Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? See the tension? I'm made in the image of God, but my heart's wicked. Psalm 139, I quoted already, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And yet Romans 7, 18 says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. So I'm fearfully made by God, but nothing good lives in me. You see the tension going on here? The balance is we need to know our limitations, yet in Christ know my unlimited potential. That, that's too good. Now let me say it one more time. 
I understand and I know my limited, my limitations. But yet in Christ Jesus, I begin to understand my unlimited potential. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Hallelujah. God has created every one of us with a purpose, and that purpose is to love and to serve and give my life away. But that will only happen if I first know who I am in Christ Jesus. And until I know who I am, loved and cared for by Christ, I can't properly give that love away. Understand what I'm talking about here? I'm setting some of you free today. Some of you guys want to beat yourself up all the time. That's not God's plan for you. The thing that drags us down is comparing ourselves with one another. This is what messes that whole healthy self-love thing up because we start comparing ourselves with one another. (coughs) It has been said there are 10 unchangeable things about your life. Let me just go through them real quick. 10 things you can't change about your life. You can't change who your parents were. You can't change your gender, although some are trying. You can't change your physical features. You can't change your mental capacities. You can't change your race or your nationality. You can't change your birth order. You can't change who your siblings are. You can't change the time you were born into history. And you can't change the process of aging and death. Those are unchangeable. But whenever I begin to compare those unchangeables in my life uh, with the unchangeables in someone else's life, I become more concerned about the opinions of man. The only opinion that really matters is God's opinion. And God made you unique and special. You are a special creation by him. Uh, You have your your unique life, features, look, mental capacities, family, background, everything else about you is uniquely designed and created by God for you to fulfill his purpose in your life. And we need to understand that today. But if you're comparing yourself with somebody else in the room, you get all messed up. You start to loathe yourself. I'm not as good as that guy. I, he wins all the gold medals. He wins all the silver medals. I'm always last. Nobody, I, I'm too slow, too fat, too, too stupid, too this, too that. And, and the problems come is we compare ourselves with one another, and so we have trouble loving ourselves as Christ loves us. All right. Bottom line is keeping the right order. Now, here's what I want to get to. We are third. Everybody say that together. We are third. We're all bronze medal winners. And the order is this, love others, love God first, love others second, love myself third. Now turn to Philippians chapter 2. You see this here, Philippians 2. And here's the balance, here's the balance of this healthy self-love and then how we view others and how we view God. He says in Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others, number two, better than yourself. If you put someone else better than yourself, it immediately drops you to third. Each of you should not look to your own interest, but also the interest of others. And so that leads me to my third point, simply this. What's the the challenge of loving others? And and I read that to you earlier. Love your neighbor as yourself. I, I think it was last week that the Pope came to the United States 
and people flocked. Crowds came to see him. He came to Philadelphia. I don't know where all else he went, but he was, I know he was in Philly because I was flying out of Philly about the time he was coming in. And uh, they, were, they were actually, uh, they gave free tickets away, but some of the guys, some of the entrepreneurs in the crowd were scalping their tickets, and, the, and they said, please don't scalp your tickets to see the Pope. That would not be a good thing. And so, but they crowded around him. They wanted him to touch him. They wanted him to be near him. They wanted to be close to the Pope when he came, and now he's come, and now he's gone. I want you to turn to Matthew 25. I want to show you something in the Word of God. If Jesus were here today, if the announcement were made, Jesus was coming, the crowds would gather around. We want to get close to him. We want him to touch us and bless us. We bring our diseases, our infirmities. We would crowd around Jesus Christ, much like they did in the New Testament, when the thousands, wherever he went, would come out to greet him and meet him. But look at what Matthew 25 says, and and I want you to get this. Verse 31, I'm going to read this entire passage, but stay with me. You've got to get the essence of it. When the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, his angels will be with him. He'll sit on his throne in his heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on my right, now listen to this. Come you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when do we see you a stranger and invite you in or or, or needing clothes and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. Whatever you've done for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you did nothing to, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I, was na- I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. It will also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did not, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do it for me. You, you see, the key is we need to treat everybody like they were Jesus. Treat everybody like we were talking to Jesus Christ, like we were helping Jesus Christ, like we were ministering unto him, everyone in our home. We need to treat like they were Jesus, your husband or your wife, your kids. Everyone you go to see at work every day, treat them like they were Jesus. At school, when you walk down the hallways, treat them like they were Jesus. At this church, we treat people like they were Jesus. And, and every, time, every time we are about to do or say anything, picture yourself saying that to Jesus. It'll guard your mouth. 
You won't be so quick to criticize or, or rebuke or, or, or yell at or put down or, or get angry with. All of a sudden, it'll guard your speech. It will make a profound difference in the way we treat others. So the challenge is to love others. Love is, is everything. Love is everything. It, it, is, it is the commandment. It is the heart of the commandment. It's the heart of what God's called us to do. This is called the great commandment. This is it. Love God and love others. It's the heart of everything Jesus Christ did. Why, would, why did Jesus heal the sick? Because he loved them, Right? Why did he, he raise the dead back to life? Because he loved them. And, they, and Mary and Martha said, oh, see how much he loved them, loved Lazarus. Why did he preach the gospel? Because he loved. Why did he die and rise again on that third day? Because he loved us. The challenge before you today is, are you going to love God above everything else? That's the first challenge. Is God going to be first in your life? Is he really number one in your life? And then the second challenge, how about your neighbor? How are you doing with loving your neighbor as yourself? Every day you need to make a decision. When you get up in the morning is I'm going to love my God and I'm going to love my neighbor. Today's a new day. It's a new day to love God and love my neighbor. This is what gives us our purpose. This is the great challenge of the Christian life. And the real challenge is this, can you be third? Can you be third? Can you settle for the bronze? It's okay. It's the way God would order it. But unless you see yourself as God sees you, you'll never properly love your neighbor. They always work together. They work together. If you see yourself as a failure, as a loser, every time I play volleyball with Terry Walther, he goes like this, if they win, loser. If you see yourself as a loser, you have nothing to give away. Now listen to that. If you see yourself as a loser, you will have nothing to give away. To anybody else. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. That's how much he cared about you. Have you entered into that love? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, you can do that today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.